Welcome to We Need to Talk, conversations on wellness to inspire, relate and enlighten. Now, here's your host, Coast FM's Feel Good Breakfast host, Tony Street. Hi there, thanks for listening to We Need to Talk. This is my wellness and lifestyle podcast. And this group of chats, I'm talking all about well-being, what you can do on a daily basis to get yourself physically well, but also in a great mental space too. Do you ever feel like you might need to reset your life? Just take a moment to get yourself sorted and back on track. Or maybe you haven't exercised in a while. Maybe you know your eating habits aren't great. Or perhaps you're stressed to the max and you don't feel like you've even got the time to sort it out. That out of control feeling isn't nice. I've been there many times before. Our modern day fast paced living doesn't help this either. There's the never ending work commitments, your family demands. Maybe someone in your life has an illness. It can all feel very overwhelming. But there are people out there who are not only better at all of that, all of this than we are, but they can actually help us be better too. And one of those people is Damien Chaparro. Damien is the type of person who at 21 did a two-day completely silent meditation retreat. I can't remember exactly what I was like at 21, but I'm pretty sure I was chewing someone's ear off. Since then, Damien has been creating and facilitating retreats, guiding thousands of people through transformational wellness experiences. He's the co-creator of Aroha in Glenorchy, which has won numerous awards and is internationally recognised. Damien, it's lovely to have you as a guest today. Thanks for having me on, Tony. I would like to know, first of all, how at 21 you found yourself doing a two-day silent meditation retreat. Most 21-year-olds are doing something slightly different. (laughs) I'll tell you what, it was tough. Um, Well, and it also kind of alludes to how I ended up in this arena, I guess. My mother has been Sufi my whole life. And the Sufis are are the mystics of Muslims, so they were they were the heretics, you know. Like a, a a typical Muslim would probably, yeah, you know, have not so nice things to say about uh, the the Sufis. But my my mom come brought me into it. She she basically took my sister and I uh, down to Florida and um, didn't tell us much about it, and we ended up in silence for two days, um, doing strange things in strange languages. And um, it was a bizarre experience, but what I remember at the end of it was that it was incredibly challenging just to be in silence and to just be with myself and my own thoughts. But I noticed that the practices were quite repetitive. They were essentially having us do mantra work and repeat um, words over and over again. And what I know now, of course, is that they were teaching us to clear our minds and to settle our attention. Um, and so it was, it was the beginning. Um, I'm almost surprised that I went back cause it was that challenging. Um, but, and, and there were certainly year, plenty of years in there where, you know, my practices waned, let's say, and there've been times where, where I've been better about it, but that was, that was definitely one of the big deep dives early on. But you did go back to it. Tell us about the, the next time you did this. Yeah. I mean, I, well, in terms of silent meditation retreats, I, the, another time that, uh, I practiced silence was in Vipassana. Uh, I was in New Zealand, actually. It wasn't too long ago. And uh, there's a Vipassana uh, center north of Auckland. And the, the, the first practice you're allowed to do is a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And essentially, they're teaching you what is said to be the favorite meditation practice of the Buddha. 
and you essentially meditate for nine plus hours a day. You're in silence for the vast majority of those 10 days. And um, yeah, you, I, I, I joke that it's, it's a front row seat to your own mental excrement because all the stuff comes up and um, you're, you're just there witnessing it. So. It's yeah. funny. It's funny you um you you talk about that because I've just read Will Smith's book, and he did a similar thing where he decided to see if he could stay on his own in a house. Like he he wasn't with other people at all, and he found it really difficult because he's a very, very social person. So, what is the purpose of doing this for our wellness? Why is it a good thing to do, and what do you get out of it? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, essentially, you and I have two parts. We have what I would call our essential self. You could you could call this spirit, you could call this consciousness, you could call this presence. It's the part of you right now that is listening through your ears. It's been there since the beginning and it'll be there at the very end. And then we have the parts of ourselves that we've learned over time. So those parts exist in language. You and I learned English at a, at a young age and, and we have all sorts of memories and things have happened and some of them good and some of them bad. And um, we've been taught things by the people that love us and they've done their best and culture has done its best, but essentially the upload of what we've learned is kind of a perfectly imperfect upload. And so to the extent that we find ourselves struggling from day to day, you could say that that aspect of ourselves, the learned part, um, is seeing the world in a particular way. So in order to, to have a look at that learned part, we have to be able to still the mind. So that's where meditation comes in. That's where mindfulness comes in. Your, the initial practices are really just there to help us to steady the mind enough so that we can see these aspects of ourselves. So when you finished these silent retreats, did you have a different outlook? Did you learn things from sitting with yourself and your own thoughts? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, I mean, for me anyways, there's always been a sense of relief at the end because it is quite intense. And there is a palpable sense of stillness. Like you will have experiences. If you sit in meditation, you don't have to have any experience. You don't have, there are no prerequisites you know, if you sit for multiple days in silence and you're you're doing meditative practices, you will notice things and you will come to a different state of being. A- and it's hard work, you know? And so, yeah, you definitely feel different, most certainly. One of the quotes I saw from you that I loved and was part of the reason I wanted to get you on this podcast is it was, you are so much more than you realize and you are not what you think. And I think that is something that a lot of people perhaps fall into the trap of, of thinking they can't do certain things or I am definitely this way because that is what my mind tells me I am. If you are someone listening to this and you want to live that quote and to be more than perhaps what you think you are, how do you Mm. go about changing that? Mm. I mean, one one of my favorite ways I learned from a woman named Byron Katie, um, she has she has something she calls the work, but the work is just one form of inquiry. And the idea is you and I wake up and, you know, we roll over and check the news, you know, kind of begin our day. And we begin to have thoughts about the world, about ourselves, about what we can and can't do, about our relationships, et cetera. And each one of those thoughts can be looked into, basically can be questioned. And from doing quite a bit of the work, what I realized is that the vast majority, if not all of our thoughts 
you know, are questionable at best. <laughs> um, even the way that we label things. So when you look outside the, the window and you say tree, your mind says, yep, got that. I've seen a tree before. I know exactly what it is. But on further inquiry, each and every tree is completely different. You know, it's like if we give the time to the present moment, if we connect more deeply, if we see with our eyes, with that essential self, we see something beyond, you know, the simple label of tree and the world opens up to us. You're listening to We Need to Talk, conversations on wellness to inspire, relate and enlighten. Hosted by Coast FM's Feel Good Breakfast host, Tony Street. So how does this thought process and, and being more, I guess, observant and not looking at things on just their face value and what we've been programmed to think, how does that link into, for example, the way we exercise? Yeah, I mean, I see exercise as, uh, I mean, when I, when I noticed this in myself, I'll share a little piece about exercise. When I was young and I started practicing yoga, the main purpose of practicing yoga was to be fit. So I chose the hardest classes with the hardest teachers and I wanted to sweat and I wanted to get strong. And, and it was very much about the outside in, right? I wanted to look a certain way. And I think, you know, there's still a part of me that, that has that, right? I'm aware of how people see me and I'm, I'm conscious of, of what people think and it concerns me. Um, and to the extent that we can free ourselves from that motivation, which is essentially giving our power away, right? If, I, if I'm wholly concerned with the way that you see me, then you have the power, right? Yeah. And I'm nervous and I'm anxious and all of those things, right? So um, when we go from the outside in, we're essentially powerless. And when we work from the inside out, we're free and complete and whole. Um, so, so mindfulness allows you to start to see what you could call the ego, the ego are these learned parts of ourselves. It's the part of us that wants to look good and avoid looking bad. It's the part of us that wants to feel good and avoid feeling bad. And really the primary method of, of observing the ego is this sort of work, this sort of inquiry, which is to look at the parts and then the, the sitting in the witnessing self or to say meditation. So for you as a, an expert in wellness, um, we often get confused by what type of exercise we should be doing. And I know I do because I will like a good hit session. You know, I did one of those on the weekend, but I also think to myself, yeah. maybe I should be doing something a little gentler as well because I wake up very early for my job, um, but it doesn't give me the same rush. So how do you choose um, what you should be doing? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the foundation is that we do need to move and you and I live in a culture where it's all too easy to be on our screens and to sit. And even for me, um, a lot of the vast majority of my day is administration. So I can very easily sit and, and I feel it, you know, if I do four hours in front of a screen, it doesn't end up feeling too good. Uh, and so personally, the way I look at it is whatever it is, that you love to do is perfect. So if you love hit, amazing, go for it. You know, I, I do strength training sometimes and I do yoga and I hike and, you know, I do all sorts of things, but um, really the key is movement. And I would, the science actually says that, that if we do, you know, 45 minutes of hit a day and for the rest of the day we sit and we don't move, there are benefits, but really we need to move with more frequency. So, you know, walking meetings, I think are a brilliant idea. And I, I use something called be focus, which is based on the Promodoro technique where we just get up and move a little bit during the day. And I, I 
think in terms of mood and mental health, that kind of movement actually has the biggest bang for buck. It's just not letting yourself be fully immersed in something as intense as work can be for too long without breaks. Um, but in terms of actual kind of, you know, sweating and and getting the heart beating and that sort of thing, I really think it's up to um, Adarha basically uses predominantly yoga, strength training. We do a little, you know, functional movement. And then we love hiking because contralateral movement, basically walking uh, is an incredible whole and complete exercise for our bodies. So just finding a hill nearby or a park and just getting out and and walking is a really great way to go. Do you put any constraints on yourself in terms of your screens and technology, even though it is part of your job? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, if I were to observe myself and notice what gets me the most out of center, I've done a lot of work. I've, you know, I've quit drinking. I don't drink coffee, et cetera. And I think where I'm things are probably my my biggest demon at the moment. And it just means that I I do. I set timers for myself. Every 25 minutes I get up, I take five minutes of a break. Um and and they are so persuasive. Like technology is really hacking, you know, the the mammalian brain. And it's it's I think it's got us in a bit of a hold. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think we're aware of it as a culture. It'll be super interesting to see how technology evolves into the future. Hopefully we get some options that are a little bit less of a dopamine um, addiction. And um, yeah, that the main one for me is, is a timer. Yeah, and there's many of them, but basically just not sitting for long periods of time and you don't have to do much, get up. Grab a tea, you know, you know, take a walk outside for a few minutes, take 10 conscious breaths, come back, sit down, and you'll feel much better. Yeah. Um, the, the new Apple Watches and the Garmin's and the Fitbits are good for that because they send you the little alert saying, take a break, go and move. Uh, you yeah. mentioned your addiction, and then you said that you don't drink coffee or you don't drink alcohol. Um, yeah. I'm really fascinated to see what your theory is on what we should be eating have you always been no coffee no alcohol and what led you to not drink it now no in fact not I actually consider myself kind of a slow learner to be fair I only quit drinking alcohol gosh about working on four years ago now and coffee less than that um and now coffee I would say is an interesting one because I think for some bodies, physical bodies, caffeine metabolizes more easily. And there's even research to show that it's helpful. And I've, I've looked at my genetics actually, and, and it turns out that my body doesn't metabolize coffee all that well. Was that through an epigenetics test? Did you do one of those? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, but, but you'd feel it. And I, if I'm honest with myself, when I drink coffee or when I drink too much green tea, I just feel jittery and I feel a little bit anxious. And if you're somebody who experiences anxiety, getting rid of caffeine is like an, a real obvious, uh, you know, step to take because it increases that energetic kind of anxiety feeling. And so I think some of us are in that camp and some people seem to drink coffee and have no problem. So that's all good. Um, for me with alcohol, I actually, same sort of thing. I don't actually think there's anything inherently wrong with alcohol. It just is that I think culturally we use it as, as medicine, if you will. We use it as a way to numb out and a, a way to deal with a bad day. So the way to know if you've got an issue with alcohol is to stop like six months off. If you've got no problem with alcohol, it'll be easy. 
And, and for me, I was somewhere in between. I wouldn't have thought I was an alcoholic actually, because I was able just to quit without really any assistance or anything. Um, but there was a part of me that was worried about it. You know, it's like, what am I going to do if I have a bad day? Or, you know, what if my friends don't like me because I quit drinking? Um, and so those parts of myself that were worried about that, that's the stuff you want to work with. Actually, it's not so much the alcohol is just the, the space within which you get to do that work. Mm, so, and you, you, what was that? You carry on. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, you were asking about what, what to eat. And um, basically, Adara has a vegan retreat. And a lot of people ask, like, Damien, are you vegan? And the answer is no, I'm not vegan. In fact, I live in a, an amazing place down here. And I've learned to hunt since I've been in New Zealand. Wow. And, um, and so I do think meat has a place. I, I do think we should you care about where our our food comes from and how it's raised um and and the research is quite clear that we should be eating a lot of plants nuts seeds whole foods unprocessed foods as close to nature as we can get it as organic as we can get it and so the reason Adarha is vegan is that that in terms of a cleanse if you ever really want to just you know you're feeling crummy and you you want to get a quick hit of feel good just go vegan for a little bit and eat nothing but whole foods mostly dark green leafy veg and um and you'll quickly feel good just get rid of all the junk and um you don't have to stay there you know any longer than you want but um, it's an easy way, basically, to kind of brush out and clean out the body and kind of give it all all of its needs. We Need to Talk, hosted by Coast FM's Feel Good Breakfast host, Tony Street. If you enjoy the podcast, click to share with family or friends. To get in touch, email we need to talk at coastonline.co.nz. How much can people learn from coming to a retreat like yours? And how many days do you need to be able to have better practices that you can then take into your daily life? Yeah, you know, I think I think we we sometimes learn, of course, we have strokes of insight, you know, just in our daily life. But the the superpower of something like Adarha is immersion. So we are asking you to stop your life, to turn off your phone, and we're creating a, a container. And so if our, our retreats are six to eight days. We actually, when we first opened, we, we were doing four-day retreats, and we just noticed it was just too short. Mm. Like, there's just weight to be carried. It takes, I would say, you know, by day three, you're starting to feel that weight lift. But the biggest bang for buck is towards the end of that six days, you really just start feeling incredible. And so that's the shortest offering that we have because we feel like it, it creates enough space and, and the most benefit. Um, and then you can, what's nice about it is you can, you can take it home with you in whatever way you want. Not everyone loves yoga and they don't have to, right? But they might take movement home you know, and not everybody needs to be vegan by any stretch of the imagination. And yet they might just start incorporating vegetables in their diet. And we don't all need to be monks. Um, but to learn about the essential fundamentals of mindfulness and and who we really are and how we can use adversity, right? So that's kind of one of the primary teachers is that the the thing that challenges you most, you can imagine as being like a little Buddha in a cloak you know, and it's there to kind of give you an opportunity to grow. And in fact, that's the way that we've all grown our whole lives. You know, if you think about the things that have taught you the most, they've been the challenges. And so, 
Um, yeah, that's that's the power of it. People leave. I mean, hi. I had a I had a client once, uh, an Australian fellow, and he was. We were all in in a last session retreat, and everybody was giddy and having a great time and laughing. And he was like, and he like got into this fit where he couldn't stop laughing. And you know, he was like, like cr- tears were like coming down his face, and he was just cracking up. And um, he's he's like, oh god, he's like, I'm off my face on wellness, you know. And I think it, it <laughs> kind of sums it up. You can really get yourself quite high on on nothing but good practices, you know, and I think that's why, that's why Adarha exists. And I think that's why people come back and um, yeah, there's, there's great value in it. And, and I think once you know, the door is there, I think for most of us, we've never done six days, you know, we've never held ourselves in the challenges of the change for long enough to kind of feel all of that synergy coming together and that just buzzy feel good thing that's on the other side. And then you get to decide how you go from there. Oh, Damien, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. And I do really mm. appreciate your approach. I think it's very non judgmental and you're kind of letting people make their own decisions. But I have to say, looking at you, picture of health, very energized, the no coffee, the no alcohol, and the <laughs> lack of meat clearly is doing something very well for you. Um, if you oh, are thanks. wondering about doing a retreat, Aroha dash. Uh, com is the website if you want to check out the retreat that Damien runs um, and like I said if you are considering it um, for your exercise for your stress maybe you want to revamp the way you're eating or just unlocking those thoughts and having six days of you know no technology it sounds great to me so thank you so much and and hopefully people will have got something from that today We Need to Talk hosted by Coast FM's Feel Good Breakfast host Tony Street if you enjoy the podcast click to share with family or friends to get in touch email we need to talk at coastonline.co.nz thanks so much for listening to we need to talk if you enjoyed this episode have a listen to my chat with Moni Meredith we talk all about her exercise regime how she managed to lose over 20 kgs and turn her life around